It's the amazing Rico Bronya podcast with your host, Evan Roberts. I think we're going to have a fun Rico Bronya today. Not, not that there are other Rico Bronyas where we don't have fun. I guess usually after bad losses, we don't have fun. After season ends in a wild card series loss, we don't have fun. But during the offseason, it's all fun. Except when you lose Jacob DeGrom to the Texas Rangers in free agency. That's not fun. Or the eventual Pete Alonso has been traded to the Chicago Cubs podcast. That won't be fun. But right now we live in a fictitious universe. And a part of that fictitious universe is dreaming of big free agents and dreaming of big targets. And there are two names that have popped up, not just this past season, but really over the last couple of years. The buildup to free agency for Juan Soto and for Shohei Otani. Obviously, Soto was traded from the Washington Nationals to the San Diego Padres a year ago. He spends his first full year in San Diego. The Padres do not have great success. And there's already rumors about Juan Soto being traded again before he eventually gets to free agency in the offseason of 24-25. Shohei Otani, we all know the deal with him. He's the biggest free agent out there far and away. Even with him not pitching in 2024, he is the number one guy out there. So I thought it would be a fun exercise to kind of debate the merits of which guy we would rather target. And I put in some fake rules only because I don't think the game is as fun if we start talking about, well, how about you trade for Juan Soto and then you try to re-sign him? Look, the Mets are very unlikely to trade for Juan Soto. His name will be mentioned in rumors. I'm sure there will be fake Met trades created, but it doesn't really fit what they're doing when you think about it. As great of a talent as Soto is, the Mets just bought all these prospects. Essentially, that's what they did in the Verlander and Scherzer trades. And I don't necessarily think when a guy is one year away from free agency, we are so close to Juan Soto being available for nothing in terms of prospects that the Mets would mortgage their future by trading for him. The other reason why I don't think it makes sense to trade for Juan Soto is I don't believe Juan Soto is the kind of guy that would be traded, fall in love with wherever he's traded, and take any kind of discount. He's not taking a discount. He's a Scott Boris guy. He already turned down a mega contract from the Washington Nationals a couple of years ago. I think Juan Soto is the safest bet of anybody to get to free agency, not preemptively sign, and then go to the highest bidder. So Juan Soto being traded to the New York Yankees is not a deterrent from the Mets being able to sign him. If the Mets are going to be willing to offer him the most amount of money, there is certainly a roadmap to Soto being traded to the Yankees having great success there, and then walking over to the New York Mets. So the question is, would you want to sign Soto, that's a year from now, versus signing Otani now? And the the reason I make it an either-or is as much money as Steve Cohen has, and he's got a lot of it, I just can't imagine that he's going to hand out two mega contracts to both those guys. Because I think both of those guys are getting mega contracts. I think Shohei Otani is staring at close to $500 million. I think Soto may get the same figure, but over a longer period of time because he's so young, because when he gets to free agency, he's only going to be 26 years old. So the idea of giving him a 15-year contract, as crazy as that may sound, ain't that crazy, especially when you look at some of the other long-term deals that have been signed over the last couple of years. And even before that, there are guys signed until they're 40-41. So if Juan Soto fits that, you are looking at potentially a 15-year contract. 
So I think the two contracts are mega deals. While they may not be 100% comparable, I think they're comparable in terms of you're not giving out two of them. You know, even Steve Cohen would have to make the decision between one or the other. And that's where this exercise comes in. You've got two baseball players separated by about four years in age. Both offer very different skill sets. One offers this mega attraction slash talent we've never seen in Otani who can hit and pitch. And the other guy in Juan Soto has started off his career in like this ridiculous way. He comes up at 19 years old and already shows one of the great batting eyes you'll ever see and puts up amazing numbers. And by year two at age 20, he's not only a top 10 MVP vote getter, he's contributing big time in the World Series to the point where if Steven Strasburg doesn't exist, Juan Soto is the World Series MVP. We're talking about a 20-year-old winning the World Series MVP. And then obviously the rest of the career numbers, which we'll get into, some of which offer concerns. So the question today that we will discuss and get a lot of your opinions, I put that poll out on Twitter to kind of see and taste the temperature overall of Met fans on this. And obviously Hoff will give his side, I'll give my side, is simply which of these two mega free agents would you rather see the New York Mets sign? Juan Soto in 2025, Shohei Otani right now in 2024. There are a few advantages for each guy that we have to admit right off the top. We are, as humans, we want things now. It's like our kids. Pete has kids. I have kids. If we tell our children we're going to buy them a toy, but they need to wait a full year, versus we're going to get you a toy that maybe isn't as good, but you get it right now, Pete, isn't every one of your kids going to say, give me the freaking toy right now? Yeah, of course. No, no questions asked. Not even a question. So I do think that, and I'm not implying that Soto is better than Otani. We'll get into that. But no matter what you think about the two players, one of the players is available right now. The Mets could sign him in two weeks, essentially. He's a Met. He's helping our team out in 2024. Soto, on the other hand, is a wait. So I do think without question, that's a slight edge that Otani has. The edge that Soto has is the age. You are looking at a guy, and it still seems so weird to even say this. Juan Soto turned 25 a week ago. That means this past season was his age 24 season. This upcoming year, final year before free agency, will be his age 25 season. Next year, his first year in this mega deal, is his age 26 season. I'm sorry for being so obvious, but it's just remarkable. It's crazy to think about how young he is. Otani's a little bit a little bit older. This upcoming season will be his 29-30th age season. He turns 30 in the middle of July. So there's a clear edge that Soto has based on age, and there's a clear edge Otani has based on I want him right now. Pete Hoffman, I ask you, because I brought this question up to you a couple days ago. And I said, think about this. We're going to do a whole podcast, Juan Soto versus Shohei Otani. I said it in the newsroom of WFAN. And then other people were giving their opinions. I want this guy. I want that guy. I think the first response most people give is, why not both? <laughs> and number one, that's not a fun podcast. But number two, I don't think that's realistic. I really, really mean that. I think it's awesome that we have an owner that can even put these thoughts in our head. If we're doing the Rico Bronya five years ago, we're not talking about this. We really aren't. It'd be a waste of time. 
But in 2023, 2024, it is a real option that they can sign one of these two guys. So off the top, which one would you prefer? I'm going to go Otani off the top. Now, do you want to know reasons why or do you just want to? <laughs> I want to know your number one reason why. My number one reason why is because I think that the Otani gives you the most versatility as far as hitter and pitcher, and that solves two problems that the, the Mets need. So you are picking Otani based on the hope and the possibility that he's going to be able to pitch in 2025. Yes, 100%. So when I thought about this, and I went back and forth about these two brilliant young players, and they really are brilliant players, so I don't want anybody to take any criticism that comes out of this as I don't want Shohei Otani or I don't want Juan Soto. I think we would all be thrilled if the Mets ended up with either one of these two guys. But given the choice, what I try to do with Otani is assume he's never going to pitch. And the reason I did that is because when you're going to invest $500 million, whatever this number is, you have to look at it and say, it's unrealistic that Otani is A, going to pitch on any kind of consistent basis. Like, even if he comes back in 2025, what does he do? Like, how much can he pitch in 2025? Can he be a starter again? Does he have to be a reliever? If he is a starter, how deep in games can he go? And I think that the likeliest scenario right now is that we will actually never see the beauty of Otani that we've seen over the last three years. Because over the last three years, while they haven't been full, full, full seasons, he makes 23 starts, he makes 28 starts, he makes 23 starts this past year. So he's never had a 30-start year. Most innings he's ever thrown in a year is 166. But now he's about to be another year removed from pitching, which he had early in his career when he didn't pitch in 2019 and barely pitched in 2020. And didn't even pitch that much in 2018. Like he almost went three years with pitching so little before he pitched in 21, 22, and 23. And by the way, was really good in all three years. Like when he was on the mound in 21, 22, 23, even though he wouldn't give you big innings and he wasn't able to stay on the mound and pitch every six days, he still was effective when he was out there. But when I think of him, I can't even assume that I'm getting that much of him as a starting pitcher. Like, when I give him this contract, I have to say it's a bonus. Like, it'd be amazing if I can get something out of him. But I don't think I can view him the way I viewed him in July, which was, this is the most unique player in the history of baseball. This is amazing. I'm getting an ace, and I'm getting a slugger. It is, it's very difficult to imagine that in 2025, at age 30 to 31 years old, he's going to come back and pitch in any kind of way that makes a major impact because now he's a year removed from this surgery. So now you're looking at 2026 when he's 32 years old and I'm now in year three of this contract and maybe I get a full year out of him, but I, I can't even count on it. So I get the pitching thing. And I know for a lot of people who answered this poll, Pitching is a big part of it. Believe it or not, my conclusion was reached for Shohei Otani without pitching involved. And that may sound nuts, but I really came to, and I'm going to break down the offensive reasons why 
I pick Otani over Soto, and it doesn't even involve the pitching. What what confuses me though is like here's the thing is Otani special with the bat, yeah. as well. Even if it's the likelihood of him not being effective the entire season, but giving you, hey, we need a swing starter. We need somebody to, you know, somebody else got hurt. Otani's available because he's. I'm sure he's still gonna pitch and have his, you know, he's going to warm his arm up here and there. Mm-hmm. I I prefer having Otani three times a year over the David Peterson ticket cold in. No, I get what you're saying. Like, even if you're only getting a handful of starts, that's a bonus. And yeah, I, I agree with you. It is a bonus. But when I look at Soto versus Otani, I'm kind of ignoring the fact that Otani is an upgrade over David Peterson. I'm merely looking at, I get one of these guys for the next 10 years, which one do I want to hitch my wagon to? And a part of why I've warmed up to Otani, the offensive player, over Juan Soto, the offensive player, and I'll back it up with some numbers here, is that even though Otani is 29, 30 years old, and Soto's 25, it feels like Otani's getting better. I don't feel that way about Juan Soto. I don't, and I... And I, I'll start with Soto on why I don't feel he's getting better. So Juan Soto comes up when he's 19 years old. He plays a good amount of 2018, puts up really good numbers, 923 OPS, gets on base 40% of the time. It's 22 home runs. Amazing. Amazing. Doesn't win rookie of the year, but amazing. Year number two, his first full year in the major leagues at 2019, puts up very strong, productive numbers. It's 34 home runs. Drives in 110 runs, hits 282, has a 949 OPS. Okay. Amazing. He's 20 years old. 2020, he was great. I know it's 2020. We always have to kind of look at it and say, what do I really take out of it? Here's what I take out of it. He had 350. He had a 1,185 OPS. He had 13 home runs. He was unbelievable. Now we go to 2021. And I'm in love with Soto. I mean, to me, we're looking at a modern-day Ted Williams. And I think I used that comparison on the air when talking about him three years ago because that's what he was. 2021, hits 313. So over a full season, gives you that first year of hitting 300, gets on base a ridiculous 46% of the time, has a 465 on base, has an OPS of 999 right under 1,000. At this point, at 22 years old, if I am picking one player, Pete, to start a team with, the answer is probably Juan Soto. But what concerns me is what's happened since. And this is not me saying he's a bad player. He's not a bad player. At age 23 and 24, he has not looked like the guy we witnessed in 19 and 21. Now, he still gets on base at an incredible clip, a 400 on-base percentage in 2022, but his average dip far and away the lowest of his major league career. He did not drive in a lot of runs. His OPS dropped to a career-low 853, and a lot of that was after the trade to San Diego. And you have to ask yourself, well, why? Like, is it the pressure? Is it he turned down this mega contract, now he's in San Diego? Is it the ballpark? What the hell is it? This past season, he had a very good season, okay? A fine season. Got the average back up to 275, which is nice. 
His on-base percentage was 410. He had an on-base or an OPS of 930. He had 35 home runs. I'm not saying this was a bad year. But, Pete, is that year anywhere close to what he was in 2021? Was that year close to what he was during the abbreviated time of 2020? It feels like, and it's a good year. It's a very good year. But where's the trend up for a guy in the prime of his career? And then you start to ask questions like, well, why? Like what? And by the way, I don't have an answer to the why. I'm just reacting to the fact that a guy who I thought was Ted Williams, maybe it's the pressures of the trade. I don't know what it is, has been a really good player, but not the generational player. Like those numbers over the last two years, they're fine. Like you put up those numbers here in New York, they're productive. They got 35 home runs this season. But it's not what I kind of thought he was trending towards being. And I just start to kind of get nervous about, okay, well, then what is he at 26, 27, 28, 29? It's in theory the prime of his career, but is he ever going to be as productive as what he was in 2021? And I start to wonder about that. And that's why I look at Soto and say that's a really good player who's not trending up. He's kind of trending sideways towards a little bit down. Well, a couple of things is, first of all, I, in my, my opinion, I mean, 25 is not prime. It's still young. You know, he, even though he's a dude, he's a six-year vet, which is crazy to think, I still think he's prime. Prime is like 27, 28, 29. So I think he still has time to grow into it. That being said, though, you look, he, pit, he played 162 games last year. The walks are huge. It takes yes. away from his hits. Like, he's never going to have 200 hits because he walks so much. That's just what it is. So that that limits the damage as far as he could put up as far as home runs and RBIs. So I, I, I have to give him a pass as far as, like, he's productive. His batting average dipped <laughs> a little bit. Okay, fine. Yeah, these numbers dipped a little bit, but... Maybe it's like the reliability he done. It. He was in a super group. Like you think about a stacked team, Padres are stacked. You you take the walk to pass uh, pass the baton onto somebody else. So maybe that's part of the philosophy in well, San Diego. So I want to get to this walks thing. So it's going to be unfair, by the way, whether it's with the Yankees or the Mets. But this is a guy who's going to get crucified in this town. And you may say, well, what what do you mean by that? And I don't just mean the contract. I don't just mean the expectations. Because anybody who comes to New York with high expectations will get hit very, very hard by us as fans, whether it's the Mets or it's the Yankees. You come here, you're Jason Giambi. You come here, you're Carlos Beltran. You come here, you're Francisco Lindor. There are huge expectations. But Juan Soto, and I have not had the luxury of watching him every day. None of us have, unless you're a Nationals fan or a Padres fan. But he reeks of a guy who I think fans are going to turn on because you mentioned those walks and it's great to draw a walk. Like who isn't a fan of drawing a walk? But is he going to be one of those guys that's looking to draw walks? And that's frustrating, especially when the guy's an RBI machine or is at least paid to be an RBI machine. That when Juan Soto comes up first and third, two outs in the eighth down by three, you don't want him looking for a walk. You want him swinging and extending that strike zone just a tad because he's here to hit 35 home runs a season. And, and, and this critique you're hearing from me may sound completely unfair, but ask yourself this question, as unfair as it sounds. Am I actually wrong? 
Like, am I wrong to say that whether he's with the Yankees or he's with the Mets, there is going to be criticism about looking for walks. And I'm not comparing him to a guy like a Daniel Vogelback or even a guy like Wade Boggs years ago. I remember Dog, uh, as a kid, listening to WFAN. Dog criticized Wade Boggs a lot, saying, let's say, oh, he's looking for a walk. He's always looking for a walk. And by the way, he was right. I remember as a kid thinking the same damn thing. Like, wait a second. Wade Boggs is one of the great hitters of this generation. Why does it seem he's looking to walk? Walking is a great attribute. There are certain situations in which you want the guy to draw a walk. But then there's that fine line between looking for walks. And I, I'm fearful. I, I am that. Not that he isn't going to be a productive player. Those numbers are very, very productive. But is he going to be one of those guys that's just going to look for walks? And I can see us as Met fans turning on that quick off. Well, listen, I mean, we we sat there through Vogelback. Now, listen, he wasn't – no one expected Daniel Vogelback to sit there and hit 40, 50 home runs in a season and bat like for this crazy average and driving all these runs. But at a DH spot, we you saw someone who looked for walks notoriously, and that killed the fan base. In a big spot, you want that big hit. And, yeah, I think Soto, anybody that comes in that's going to make a ton of money, you want, you're, you need someone that's going to actually swing the bat. And if you're looking for a walk, it's going to kill us. So those are the two things. Those are my two. And if you want to call them nitpicks, they're fine. I mean, we're talking about two great players here. So when we're comparing them and deciding, hey, which one do you want? Yeah, there's going to be some nitpicking. And those are my nitpicks on Soto. Now, let me get to Otani. And I'm not going to even say a word about his pitching because I laid out to you before, Pete, I have very little faith. I have some hope like, hey, it'd be great if it works out. It's a good gamble that, hey, if this works out, I have the added bonus, but I'm almost not expecting it, if that makes sense. Otani's trending the other way. As much as I just talked about Soto never producing like he did in 2019 or 2021 or even 2020, I know we don't want to count that. I look at Otani as the complete opposite. Shohei Otani in 2021 became the man that he is today. Because before that, you know, what the hell was he? Honestly, what was he? He didn't hit in 2020. Again, we throw that one out. His numbers in 2019 were, they were okay. Like, they weren't bad. They were pretty good. His rookie of the year numbers were more, it's amazing he can do both. But in both of those years, he didn't play a full year. So he kind of gave us a little bit of a tease. Over the last three years, Shohei Otani's gone out and played. Now, this past year, he missed the final month. But I think you also have to look at where the Angels were. I mean, would he have played through it as just an offensive player? I think that's on the table if his team was in a pennant race. But in 2021, he plays 155 games. He hits 46 home runs. He steals 26 bases. He has a 965 OPS, obviously wins the MVP. 2022, hits 34 home runs, has an 875 OPS, plays 157 games second in the MVP voting this past year he became bonds and maybe bonds is too strong so I'll, I'll phrase it this way Shohei Otani in 2023 was a left-handed Aaron Judge that's what he was the difference was he didn't play the last 25 games of the year so he never got to kind of finish the story and see how much further he could have gone but he raised his average to a career high 304 best average of his career 
had the highest OPS of his career, 1,066. So his OPS was 100 points higher than it had been in any other season. His slugging, over 100 points higher than any other season. His on-base percentage, up to 412. Leads the league in on-base. Leads the league in slugging. Leads the league in OPS. Leads the league in OPS+. plus. Leads the league in home runs. That's a guy trending this way, and I'm pointing up. So, yeah, there's an age difference, and I, I get it, but I see Otani getting better and better. I don't see that with Soto. So if I'm looking at them strictly as offensive players, I, I've taken out the pitching, and I factor in Otani doesn't play the field. Soto plays the field. I don't know how well he plays it, but okay, he plays the field. Soto will end up as a DH before you know it. I feel better about Otani next year, year after offensively, than I do Juan Soto. And I'm not even mentioning the pitching. I see an offensive player trending the right way, and I also see a slugger. Like Juan Soto can hit home runs. He's hit over 30 home runs twice in his career. Otani's done it three years in a row. I think Otani is one of the offensive players that you look at, you look at that lineup before a series and say, I can't let him beat me. I circle him. Can't let him beat me. Juan Soto is a tremendous hitter. I don't think he's that. I don't think he's the game-changing offensive player that Otani is. And again, haven't said a damn word about his pitching. Just talking about the slugging ability that Shohei Otani has. And that's a part of why I prefer him. Now, the one thing I will say, though, you referenced it where you don't you think that Soto's eventually going to be a DH. Mm-hmm. Problem, problem is, and I forgot about the, the, the speed with Otani, which is really, that's another key piece, too. You extend the lineup with either Soto or Otani, no questions asked, but you limit Pete Alonso. If Pete Alonso eventually is someone that's going to be a part of this team, he's got to be first base. If if the Mets are contemplating Otani, are they contemplating moving away from Pete Alonso where Soto can fit? You you say that he's not a, a good outfielder. He still plays the field. That's still not something that they're planning on just making him a DH in the near future. What? What's your concern? Your concern is when? Because Pete's a first baseman. If if Pete is here next year, the year after that, I'd say at least for the next four years, Pete Alonso is safely a first baseman. So when you say if you're getting Otani, you're moving away from Pete, why would I have to? Why would that be any different than Soto if Alonso's still playing the field? Well, if you say four years, if you give four years to Pete at first base, if you're signing Pete Alonso. To, if you're signing Otani to a 10-year deal, which I still think he's going to get close to that, I'm still assuming that Pete Alonso is going to be like a six, seven-year deal. Right. It's, it over, overlaps where the last three years, Pete Alonso and Otani cannot be DHs and none of them be, be on the field. Where Soto, I think he still has <laughs> that at least five to seven good years of him playing the outfield. He's not a, he's not a DH just yet. I- I don't think actually going back with Pete, I don't think Pete has to be a DH in four years. Like, I think it's, it is nice to have the DH being a resting spot. You know, it's nice to have the DH being that position where you can give Lindor half a day off. You can give Pete half a day off. The Mets didn't have that luxury this past year because the DH position was clogged. And I agree that if we're doing like checklist of positive and negatives, that is a negative about Shohei Otani. He is a DH. 
I doubt the Mets are going to be asking him to get an outfielder's glove and play the outfield. He's only played a handful of innings in the outfield. I don't think the Mets are going to do it, nor do I think it's wise. Like, especially if you plan on him coming back as a pitcher in 2025, which clearly you are. And I don't want to make it seem like I'm not planning or trying to have Otani pitch. I'm not expecting a lot out of Otani pitching. That's the difference. Of course, he should try to come back and pitch. That's a part of the beauty. It's a part of that being the great reward on Shohei. But I wouldn't be fearful of, well, then what happens to Pete? Pete's 28 years old, 29 years old. He'll be 29 on opening day. I think he could play first base for the next five years. I mean, Freddie Freeman's still playing first base. Like, I don't think he has to move off that position anytime soon. So that doesn't scare me. Yeah, but but the one one counter to that though, you and I sit there. We, we're pro Pete Alonso first base, but analytically speaking, and you go down the the, the world of baseball, people don't think Pete Alonso is a good defensive player. Well, they're so, wrong. And, and, I, mean, I don't know what to tell you, but but Pete, we watch him all the time. Is he is he not? I I me and you feel that way, and I think that other people feel that way. But I don't know what David Stearns thinks about Pete Alonso. Is there something that Pete Alonso they're thinking? Maybe they could get somebody that's a better defensive first baseman, and they want to push Pete to a DH. I think that's going to be difficult. You can't. That's that's that is the knock. If you're going to have, if you sign Shohei Otani, I think that may create an issue to keep Pete Alonso. Yeah, I don't think it should. I, I, but to me, I don't think it should because I've seen Pete get better defensively. I don't think there's any question he's a better defensive player today than he was two years ago. So. I don't feel like there's some kind of clock ticking over his head on when he can't play first base anymore. And keep this in mind. If the Mets sign Otani and trade Pete Alonso, and I'm not arguing Pete's a better player than Shohei, but you've just taken Pete's power and replaced it. You haven't paired the two together. You know, you haven't said, hey, along with Alonso and Lindor and the emerging Alvarez, here's Otani. You've taken Pete away and then replaced him with Otani. Not saying Otani isn't better, but you haven't made yourself that much better. A little bit better, but not that much better. So I look at the Otani-Soto thing as separate from Pete. Now, if the Mets want to re-sign Pete Alonso, Pete's contract is not going to look like Shohei Otani's. It's not going to look like Juan Soto's. He's not getting, like, he'll get a big contract. He's not getting nearly that much. But I think the, the beauty of Otani and why, to me, it's such a no-brainer that he's the option over Juan Soto is that I'm arguing just offensively Otani's trending in the right direction. That leaves out the bonus of pitching, which you pointed out. If he comes back and makes 15 starts in 2024, along with the fact that I'm banking on his offense, it's all worth it. It's why Otani is such the target if you're the New York Mets. In fact, him not pitching this year, only enhances it because if the Mets are saying we're playing the long game, we're thinking more of 25, 26, which I don't fully believe, but certainly with some of the young players they have coming up and with Jet Williams' emergence, that's going to more coincide with 25, 26. Well, that's when Otani's going to start pitching, or at least in theory, that's when he's going to start pitching. So I put a poll out the other day where I asked, hey, who would you prefer? And the way I worded it, similar to what we're talking about today, Assuming you can only sign one of you, the Mets, and the contracts are in the same ballpark, who would you rather sign in free agency? Otani this offseason, Soto in 2025. And I was actually surprised. It was 58% Otani. Like, I, I thought Soto would win, 
I think a part of why Otani won is A, you get him now, and then B, the bonus of pitching. I think those are the two things that put him over the top, but those aren't even the reasons I'm giving, to be honest with you. My reasons are very, very different. That's for sure. Well, a couple couple other things, that, you know, besides take away the numbers, right? Say if, say if Otani and Soto play the first five years and their numbers are identical, right? Yeah. Off- offensively. The thing is this, Otani, I think you will, again, it's like a 10-year contract. You have to deal with him for 10 years. Soto, you said it, I think like a 14-year deal. You might have to have him till he's 41. The back end of that contract may be way worse than Otani. What, what Otani can give you for the next four or five years, I think, is going to be more explosive. And the other thing, too, you did mention it, and I don't want to be impulsive, but I don't know what two years is going to be like from now. Maybe in 2025, Edward Diaz tears his ACL, you know, and then we don't have a closer again. And then, oh, well, now we brought in Soto for no reason because we have to wait till 2026. Get Otani now. Like, I, 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 you, if we're going to make this team, because I, I think the offseason is, I think you and I both agree, it's not going to be this lackluster offseason. They're going to bring in some major pieces. Go for it now. You don't. <laughs> Look, look at Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers got hurt after four snaps. Right. And now what? You just never know how season's going to end up. So do your best to go all in every year. I thought you were going to suggest Edwin Diaz gets hurt. Otani's the closer. Oh, uh, too. <laughs> I mean, why not? And my, brain, my brain started trying to figure out, wait a second. So how does this work? He DHs, <laughs> but then he comes in the game to pitch. But then if he comes out of the game... He can't really stay in the game as DH. Like I'm, I'm trying to figure out the Otani rule if he's used as a reliever. I mean, that'd be genius, by the way. If he becomes, <laughs> if, if if he's like the eighth inning guy, he pitches like every you know every few games, and you was, you you use him rather than as a as a, a defensive threat on the on you have a position. He's a relief pitcher. It's great. Yeah. All right, let me read some of your responses. We'll also get to your emails. The Rico B at gmail dot com. Uh, Joe DeMeo, our friend, wrote Eileen Juan Soto. Tone Rodriguez going with Soto. He'll play big in New York as a Dominican, and he's only 25. This should be an absolute no-brainer. I think that both guys will play big in New York. You know what I mean? Like, I think Juan Soto will play big in New York. I do think that Otani plays big in New York. Soto, who will be 26, as opposed to Otani, who will be 30. This is Ken Selinski writing. Plus, if you sign Otani and Soto to the same contract, same number of years, which would likely be 10, Soto's only 36 at the end of his deal and is still most likely productive. I don't want to be paying another 40-year-old 45 to $50 million with Otani. Jay Sweat writes, I was out on Otani the second he said he wasn't pitching next season. If Otani, to Jay's point, was a good hitter and a good pitcher, and that's what made him great, I'd agree with you. But let's not forget that this past season, Shohei Otani was a left-handed Aaron Judge. So as much as him not pitching is a massive disappointment, you're still getting something really, really good. Dan G writes, if we get Yamamoto, definitely Otani. I understand the connection in terms of they need pitching. You know, the Mets are going to have to add two or three starting pitchers. We'll do a pod coming up focused on starting pitchers they need to add. And Otani doesn't at least do that in the short term. Josh Vega writes, whoever says yes first. (laughs) Yes, unfortunately, it was that easy. 
Aiden writes, Soto is comically overrated. I, you know, I think he may be overrated. I do. Because I, I think we overrated him because he was somebody he was, he was somebody three years ago that he isn't quite right now. Like, I legitimately thought this is our modern Ted Williams. That's what I thought he was. And now he's a really productive player. He's not quite Ted Williams. So maybe that's me. Maybe that's our issue. Maybe we overrate, not overrated, but reacted to what he did at 19, 20, 21 and thought, wow, this is amazing. It's only going to get better. And the reality is it hasn't. Evgen writes, I'm the first one to remind people it's Steve Cohen's money, not ours. But if the assumptions are similar contracts, that's a huge overpay for Juan Soto. He's an all-star DH, but the valuation should be somewhere between Lindor and Judge, not Otani's insane valuation. Well, guess what? It's not what Otani wants. It's what the market is willing to give him. Nick writes, I don't get these results. He's responding to Otani winning the poll. One guy you're paying for his past and a known injury. The other has 10 great seasons ahead of him because people forget how young he is. Soto all day. Look, in free agency, you're paying for what you hope the guy does, but of course you're paying for the past. You're paying that that player repeats his past. So Otani is coming off a year in which he led the league at home runs or was going to lead the league in home runs. I forget if he ended up actually leading the league in home runs. And then he got hurt. Your assumption is, your hope is, he's going to be able to do that again. Um, question to you. Because one thing that we talked about is, like, obviously, like, you know, the, what stats or what, what Otani brings to the table, what Soto brings to the table. Say if, what is, what is more valuable to you? Because the contract's going to be part of it, right? It's going to be a ton of money regardless. If Otani gives you three to four good years, Mm -hmm. but a 10-year deal, or Soto gives you seven good years for a 15-year contract or whatever it is, like what to you is more valuable? Like, what do you mean? Like how many years I have to get out of that contract to say it was worth it? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a tough one. It's a tough one. I think a lot of it is, does it contribute to a championship? You know, if it contributes to a championship, I'm good after one year. You know, give me one good year. (laughs) We won a World Series title. I think, well, with Otani, it depends how many of these years. Let's say it's a 10-year deal. How many of these years do I get him pitching? Like, how many of those years is he out there as, whether it's a middle of the rotation or top of the rotation arm, how many of those years is he pitching? I don't know. Like I remember when we talked about Otani a year ago before any injury emerged, I was like, I'm skeptical. He's going to be able to keep this up. And I still am because Otani right now is in the prime of his career. Age wise. This is the absolute prime of his career. And he's about to miss an entire year due to injury where he's not going to be able to pitch. So to assume he's going to come back now in his thirties and give you three consecutive years as a reliable starter is tough to believe. I like to say, if you could get, I'd say on a 10-year deal, six of the 10 are all-star productive years. I think that's a win. Well, I'll ask it to you this way. 
without thinking about it, before we go through how many of them were productive, was Carlos Beltran a really good Met? Yeah, I think he was one of the best free agent signings as a Met, yes. All right. Year one, he played and was below average. Year two, year three, year four, he was awesome. So we have three years in which he's great. Year four and year five, he didn't play enough. So we are six years into his deal. Three of them were great. Two of them, he just didn't play enough. And the third, he wasn't good. So we're at half and half, right? Would Mm -hmm. you agree that's a half and half contract? Yeah. Year seven, the final year of his deal, he was tremendous. They traded him at the deadline. So he was three and a half really good, three not acceptable. That's 50-50, and you just said that's one of the great free agent signings in the history of the Mets. So does that that answer it? (laughs) That just shows that the Mets need to sign better free agents. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Jimmy Kearney writes, I'm trying to find a way to prove that you're wrong about Otani. That's an interesting subject line. Evan, yes, Otani offers so many options. He could return as an elite starter, or as you pointed out last offseason, could become an elite closer. However, since Otani isn't pitching next year, I considered both of them as offensive players. Perfect. That's what I did, Jimmy. Based on his age, athleticism, and the Mets' philosophy at really competing in 2025, Juan Soto makes the most sense. He'll be 26 years old, contemporaries of the current batch of prospects the Mets plan to build around. Soto's young, but putting him on a team with younger players he could mentor offensively is something to consider. I don't believe Otani offers that. At 26, Soto is still two years away from entering his prime. As a general manager, I would project we haven't seen nearly the best of Juan Soto. But I think you may argue, exactly, the Mets plan on competing in 2025, so getting Otani now will assure he'll be in the rotation in 2025 when it really matters. I can't argue with that logic, but I'll try. What percentage do you put on him being in the starting rotation come opening day 2025? I put it 50-50 at best. I'd argue there's a 75% chance he doesn't throw his first pitch until his 31st birthday, which is July of 2025. He had Tommy John. He's now had a second surgery. He's now a pitcher with shoulder issues. We haven't beaten over the head with this exact scenario for years. Does the name Jacob deGrom ring a bell? As a GM, I'd have to strongly consider that we've seen the best of Otani as a pitcher. He may duplicate a dominant season, but even if his rehab goes perfectly, it's still going to be nearly two years since he's pitched. Which leads me to my final decision to wait for Soto, with the three main reasons being his age, health, and leaving the DH spot open to be our soon-to-be aging players, Lindor, Nimmo, and hopefully Pete, and whoever else may have, uh, whoever else may bring in an off day. I'm not even that confident in my argument, but you kind of pissed me off when you said it was Otani and it wasn't even close. (laughs) Uh, So... I agree with his assessment about the pitching. I do. I think that's a really fair way to look at it, that it is very difficult to rely on him to pitch in 2025. I think Otani pitching is the added bonus. It's the added bonus that Juan Soto can't offer. But Jimmy also made the point that he believes Soto is entering his prime. I project we haven't seen the best of Juan Soto. So from an age perspective, you're right. He is entering his prime. He's going to be 26 years old upon his year one of his new contract. So that should be his prime. 
But I've sat here for three years and I'm looking at a guy that's not performing better than he performed in the first three years of his career. So I'm not as confident to project 26, 27, 28 years old is going to be the best years of his career because his last few years hasn't been the best years of his career. So that's part of my worry that you may not be right that we're about to be seeing the best of Juan Soto. And that Otani right now is the better offensive player right now. This last season, he was the better offensive player over the last three years, not just one year, over the last three years, 21, 22, and 23, who's been the better of the three players offensively? That's the question. And the answer to that question is it's close, you know, because Soto wasn't bad in 2021. He was actually very good in 2021. But in 2022, he had a big step back season. And in 2023, he had a good year. Otani was better. So if Otani is that close offensively to him, and then you've got the added bonus potential of him starting and matching up with that Met timeline by pitching in 2025, that's why it's Otani and it's not even close. Even though Jimmy would disagree and say it's very close, you're wrong. You know what scares <laughs> you know what scares me about Soto too, by the way, is he did go to San Diego uh in twenty twenty two and that stretch when he first got traded was bad. Like we joke about it. Yeah. And I and I will come back as stupidly with his co- this comment, but Daniel Vogelback put up better numbers traded to the Mets than Soto did with when he got traded to the Padres. I know. We, that, I think we did we did that on the Rico last year, and it's like kind of dirty to remind ourselves of it, but we did compare the numbers, yes. It's, it's, but it's the truth. It's true, and it's scary because who knows if Soto, he's, he's playing in a major market in San Diego with a stacked team and not performing that well. If he comes to New York, we're going to be, we're, we're going to be ruthless. Oh, yeah. Yeah, let's not forget that. We will be completely ruthless. And this is a good point Clayton brings up about Soto. Soto strikes me as a bit of a diva. As reported through several sources, the Padres had a ton of clubhouse issues this year, and we know that the Mets clubhouse wasn't exactly great either, especially after Tommy Pham doubled down on the work at the claim this past week. Do we really want to pay a guy 500 to $600 million and add him to this clubhouse that is lacking a big-time leader? I understand we'll have a different manager and maybe that manager could potentially fix some of the issues, but I think this is it. But I think in this day and age, the star players on your team have to have a lot of say in the clubhouse guys got to gravitate to them because of their star status. So that's why I prefer Otani over Soto for Otani's part. I've always liked the Japanese players and their mentality when it comes to baseball, for the most part, Kazmatsui excluded, they play the game the right way. And Otani seems to like, that he's had a pretty good guy in the clubhouse in Anaheim. Again, this doesn't mean I don't want Soto if Otani doesn't sign here. More just why I choose Otani over Soto. There is some concerns about that. If we make a big deal over the Met locker room and concerns over it, the Padres had more problems than the Met locker room. And now you're taking a guy from that room. And I'm not saying Juan Soto was the issue. I have no idea. But we did talk on the last pod that they need leadership in this room. I don't know if Otani or Soto offer that skill. Well, the question with Otani is like I, I know that he was hurt, so what what's the point of play like the last month of the season, but he left the team. Like, what was that about? Like the, is he gonna leave the team if he's not 
a hundred percent healthy again. We don't need we need someone who's going to be a leader yes. in the clubhouse. And I don't know if either of those guys fit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> the the leader thing is so tough because I think sometimes after the fact we know, hey, that guy's a great leader. I don't know if in the moment we know who great leaders are. Like we could look at different rosters and go around baseball and say, is that guy a leader? Is that guy a leader? I don't think any of us really know, to be honest with you. But there is one conclusion we could come from Otani versus Soto. Either guys have met, we'll be pretty excited. <laughs> Either guys have met, we'd be pretty pumped up. One other thing, and I know this is a big deal for Pete, big, big deal for Pete, that the New York Yankees are hot to trot, to go out and acquire Juan Soto. And they should. I mean, Juan Soto is built for Yankee Stadium. Like, he is perfect for that Yankee lineup. And there's this fear, and I got a lot of tweets about this as well, saying, yeah, but the Yankees are going to trade for Juan Soto. Wouldn't it be pretty sweet for the Yankees to give up three top prospects, go get Juan Soto, he's built for Yankee Stadium, Juan's not signing a contract now with the Yankees, he's going to go to free agency. And then the Mets outbid the Yankees for Juan Soto. And the Yankees give up all these prospects for Juan Soto to basically rent in the Bronx, but then buy in Queens. How sweet would that be? That would be amazing. But then I just have this feeling that that is to be bad blood there. And somehow Soto would be probably the worst free agent signing in history of sports, which would go, <laughs> which would go the back. Like, like, oh, we got you. No, no, we, we didn't get you. That's funny. <laughs> <laughs> well, we appreciate you listening. Any comments or thoughts, of course, you can always email the pod to RicoB at gmail.com. A few things coming up real soon. Number one, we did a preview of the bullpen last week. If you missed that episode, we went through who's in this Met bullpen, who won't be in this Met bullpen, who they could potentially target in free agency and via trade. We'll do the same thing with starting pitchers, which we all agree is their biggest need going into the offseason. So we'll look at the current starting pitching options, the free agent starting pitching options, and then obviously trade ideas for starting pitching. We'll do that coming up. We'll do our managerial rankings. And then right after this World Series ends and the offseason begins, we all will offer our Mets offseason plans. Who they should sign, who they should target, any trade ideas like our big plan for the Mets offseason. So a lot coming up as we dive into this Mets offseason with the World Series finally ending soon. Max Scherzer, in Game 3 of the World Series, didn't pitch badly. He just didn't pitch very much and had to come out with injury. So I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about all that. But either way, we appreciate you listening. RicoB at gmail.com to email. Hoff with the Midday Show, 10 a.m. on the fan. Me with Tiki, 2 o'clock on the fan. Thanks for listening to Rico Bronia. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Rico Bronia podcast. It's amazing, isn't it? Make sure you download it now to keep it on you at all times.